Hey there, thank you so much for listening to our Big Time Talker podcast. We're everywhere. iHeartRadio, Apple iTunes, uh, Spotify. Those guys are in the news these days. And <laughs> so many more podcast platforms. You can't even name them. Uh, I'm live at our studios in Washington, D.C., where spring has sprung. The cherry blossoms are blooming. And we're taking a break from politics to talk movies today. Um, if you're a fan of mob films you're a fan of gritty crime dramas thrillers twist endings boy do i have a movie for you it's available now uh in all of the streaming platforms uh, as of april 1st it's a movie called burn and a guy who is sort of the, the big kahuna behind this film he is the uh, the writer the uh, producer as one of the lead roles in the film patrick lazara joins us from his palatial Hollywood estate to talk about the film. Hey, Patrick, thanks for being on the Big Time Talker podcast. Thank you, Burke. Thanks for having me. You bet. And by the way, the show is brought to you by friends at speakermatch.com. If you are a platform speaker or your meeting planner, believe it or not, people are getting together once again in person now for meetings. You can find one another at speakermatch.com. Patrick, you and I have Las Vegas in common. Hey. I was a... Uh, uh, a radio program director in Las Vegas back in the, the late 1990s. You grew up in that city. And I did. I grew up from the time I was three and I came out to LA when I was 28. People who are not familiar with, with Las Vegas outside the strip sometimes have a hard time wrapping their heads around how normal people live there and there are families and careers outside and away from all of that. So how would you describe growing up in Las Vegas? Yeah, you know, it, it was strange for me to, you know, meet people outside of Vegas because they're always talking about just the casinos. And mostly what I knew, I stayed away from the casinos. Of course, my dad worked in the casino business, but growing up, it's just a regular, normal, you know, childhood. I always said when I, uh, I left the radio station on, on West Sahara, I could go left to my normal neighborhood where, you know, there was a grocery store and there was a gas station and all that, or you could go right and go into town and play. And I also said that my guest room was never empty in Las Vegas. Yeah. Everybody yeah. wanted to come and visit. So yeah, of course. The only difference is uh, I think you, you wind up with the, you know, you're waiting in line to get your oil changed and there's a really tall Amazonian woman who's a, you know, a, a line dancer or, uh, you know, you, you'll see a pen and teller at the grocery store or whatever. So. What about the poker machines inside the grocery store? <laughs> and restaurant and convenience yeah, yeah. store and everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. Um, hey, so I mentioned, you know, this film that you've done, um, Burn, is a, a crime drama. And it's always yeah. fascinated me. And I wanted to get your take on this as to why you think it is that people are are so drawn to those kinds of stories about those kinds of people because even in your movie which i saw and really enjoyed i mean these are not the kind of guys that you want to bring home to meet mom for sunday dinner these are some pretty reprehensible characters but yet we're all drawn to them yeah I, I think this goes back to right the gangster films of the 30s and the 40s with humphrey bogart you know um and and i feel like my movie has a real you know linked to those films of the past um you know so i mean i don't know what it is look at goodfellas look at reservoir dogs we're drawn to these movies and they just keep 
coming up, right? There's always a new take on it or a new interesting twist to these films, you know? And the, the story in Burn, uh, you know, sort of takes you behind the scenes to, to introduce some, some family drama as well. I mentioned at the top of the podcast, you're the writer, you're the director, you have yeah. one of the lead roles as, as Max in this film. Where did the germ of the idea for this movie come from? You know, always every project I do starts with creating work for me as an actor. And that's how Burn started. Burn originally was a seven page short film and it only had the two brothers in it. It was another actor friend of mine. I was like, hey, let's do something. So I wrote a seven page short, takes place in a motel room. And I was like, you know, this is to create work for us as actors and showcase what we can do. And I always like to shoot stuff too. I'm a writer, director, and I want to showcase that side of my talent too. But when I started to look around for motel rooms, I was going to shoot in real motel rooms. And people wanted like $5,000 for the day to shoot wow. inside the motel. Yeah. Wow. So I was like, if I'm dropping five grand, I'm I'm gonna shoot a feature film, you know. Yeah, and yeah. little did I know what I was getting into. <laughs> so, but I I took that original short that we never shot, and I fleshed it out into a ninety-page screenplay. You know, one of the things I, I loved about uh, your story, and by the way, if you're just joining us, Patrick Lazar is our guest today. His new movie, Burn. Uh, everywhere, Amazon Prime, Google Play, iTunes, and more as of uh, April 1st. Um, is that you, if I got this right in reading the materials, you kind of just gutted this thing out and it took almost a decade yeah. to make this film. And it's, yeah. it's a heck of a story that an everyman figured out how to do this. You learned your craft and basically by grit and perseverance, Damn, if you didn't make a feature film. Yeah, you know, that's what it is. It's like finishing, get it done. Because so many people either start them and realize the mountain ahead, or once, once they get into post-production, realize how much money that costs. So they just abandon their projects. But with our movie, I wrote the script in 2010. We didn't start raising money until I met my producing partners on another feature film. This was a year after, so 2011. And then they were like, oh, let's try to get this movie made. How do we do it? So we shot a scene. We did it in an Indiegogo campaign, raised a pretty good chunk of money and got all excited thinking we could shoot the whole thing with $13,000, which is nothing compared to the, budget, the final budget so sure. what we did was we we threw in our own money and started to you know i was i work at a bar in downtown they actually let me come in and take over the restaurant shoot for four days in there it's a great location in the bar but you know i'm bartending i'm making my money i take my money i put it away and i said okay let's start banging out scenes we shot about half the movie with the initial money we raised then we were out of cash and I was like, okay, we got to get this thing done. We have a half of a good movie. What are we going to do? Just abandon it. And, you know, I was like, let's just start banging out scenes. And this took about three years to actually get the final shot in the can. You know, I would go, okay, this one location, let's get this actor 
have them come in and we'll bang out a weekend here. And then we did this over the course of like, we would shoot, take a six month break, shoot again, shoot again. Luckily, nobody changed their look. Nobody gained weight to where they're, you know, don't look the same. So it ended up working out for us. And that's for folks that are not in the the film business. That's, an extraordinarily long time to have a movie made. Well, right? well, it's it's when you don't have financing, right? So it's like when I when I we're self financing this. This is me and my partners working our day jobs and then throwing our cash into the movie to finish it. Oh, that's amazing, Patrick. Luckily, I have an understanding wife. Well. <laughs> <laughs> a very understanding i would have to say yeah throwing your bartending money in to get the movie made is pretty yeah. incredible yeah. um so lots of folks who are, are listening right now uh are probably like me they love to find that undiscovered gem on the streaming services this movie could be one of those undiscovered gems so without giving it all away could you kind of set it up and and tell people what burn is all about yeah so in the movie i play a mob hitman. I find out that my younger brother, much troubled younger brother, um, killed the trophy wife of the mob boss I worked for. And my partner in the movie is kind of the right-hand man to the mob boss. He comes to me secretly and says, listen, I got a contract to kill your brother. Find him, get him out of town, and then I got to come after you guys. So I go find him hiding out in a sleazy motel. He's still covered in her blood. And then we find out how did he meet or what happened and you see these flashbacks with twists and turns towards the end of the movie and there are some incredible twists and turns i'll tell you i didn't see uh, some of those coming nice um, yeah so it's a great ride and and there are some interesting details in this movie that take it outside uh you know the cookie cutter table chair thinking that you think you're gonna see in uh you know in a non-big budget uh, right. gangster film right so for example your character max he doesn't roll up in a, a typical gangster mobile he drives a uh, prius <laughs> so was there a reason why he there, uh, so originally came down to budget and car rentals and stuff like originally in the script it's a cadillac cts which i end up driving in the movie but uh, we thought it would be a funny little you know, joke in the movie that he's driving a Prius. The movie is burned. Patrick Lazar is the writer, the director, and one of the stars of the film. Um, Patrick, when you went in to cast this movie, and you said you're you're very upfront about it. you're an independent filmmaker. You're yeah, not yeah. a gazillionaire who's got right. big bucks to throw at these things. You selected actors and and the actress who played the mob boss's wife, uh, who all have very unique looks yeah and and i wanted to ask you about that because you know you, you watch the sopranos for example and a lot of those folks you know are, are incredibly well cast i thought yeah. your movie was really well cast from a look standpoint so when you went after these actors was it i have looks in mind or was it i have no money in mind and this is what i can get no actually what it was is the actors i've worked with prior like the lead role of Laurel, I wrote for Don Barber. She was in an acting class with me. We've done scenes together and I knew what she can do as an actress. I actually sat down and wrote that whole role with her in mind. And the other characters were actors I've worked with in the past. 
So I actually wrote roles for other actors that I didn't eventually get in the movie. One of them moved away to Singapore when we were getting ready to shoot. So I had to recast and I shot a previous short film with the actor who plays Seth in the movie, John Fava. I reached out to him and I was like, hey, can you play this role? He lives in New York. I was flying him back and forth to come out and do the movie. But everybody I've worked with was somebody I've worked with in the past and I knew what they could do as an actor. Well, and I saw that you had worked with that actor uh, who played Seth, who yeah. I thought, you know, had that that perfect sort of sinister look and yeah. delivery. Yeah. Um, and I always wonder if actors like him who are cast as heavies all the time, what that does to their psyche inside. Yeah, you know what? This guy, he's a he's a Broadway actor. You know, he's doing musicals. But when he gets cast in these gangster roles, he thinks they're easy, you know? So I think he's trying, trying to get away from that. But uh, he's perfect, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And I write with his voice in mind when I do write stuff with him in mind. The the actress who played Laurel, the mob yeah. boss's wife, yeah. uh, Dawn, uh, you said that, that you had done uh, acting classes with her. Correct. And in this film, without giving a whole lot away, there are a couple of uh, intimate love scenes. There's yeah. no nudity in the film, at least not oh, in the no. final cut that I saw. But yeah. there are some very passionate scenes for her where she's, uh, uh, you know, uh, giving some pretty passionate kisses to yeah. a couple of different guys. Yeah. And and as an actor who's been involved in that sort of thing before, and, and since you've you've worked with her, we always read about how awful that is and right. how awkward and uncomfortable it is. She's a gorgeous woman. Yeah, how yeah. awful can it be for the actors who are making out with her? That can't right. be so bad, right? Yes. Yeah, so one of the first uh, shots she did in the whole movie, w the very first shot, actually, I didn't even think about the scheduling. And when we did it, it was a scene where she has to kiss somebody on a bed. And that's the very first shot she shot in the movie. And she was like, thanks a lot for making this my first shot. I was like, oh, I didn't <laughs> think about it. But she went for it. like she Yeah, was she did. And she there. dove into the role. She played that role. It's that... You know, it's that 40s femme fatale, you know? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, Kim Bassinger in, in uh, Mulholland Falls. Yeah, or LA Confidential. Yeah, or LA Confidential. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Um, Patrick Lazar's movie Burn is available now at all the video on demand platforms. Check it out at Amazon Prime and uh, uh, iTunes, all the places that you watch great independent movies. It could be one of those. Uh, undiscovered gems if you like uh, gangster films. Um, I, I want to switch gears a little bit. I read that while you were doing this movie, over the course of this 10 years where you're working on it, working on other things, you had a pretty severe health scare come up. Yeah, you it was actually, talking about that? Yeah, sure. It was actually before that. So what happened was I got diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2009. So I did a whole year of chemo. I dropped out of everything. I had an agent, acting agent, all that. I dropped out. I couldn't do the auditions anymore. Um, and just focused on getting healthy. Because um, it was pretty brutal. I thought I'd walk through the, the chemo, but it wrecked me. So 
what happened was I did a whole year. My very last chemo treatment was November 4th, 2009. And I, I remember after that, I, you know, I write all these gangster, you know, thrillers with people getting killed. And I just didn't, it didn't feel good writing that stuff right after that. So I took some time off. And then when I thought up burn is when, yeah, it was almost like, it was December 2010, and that's when I sat down and wrote the script. But it was, you know, pretty brutal to come out of that. And then, but I, you know, I got healthy and I dove in. I was like, hey, you know, when you're young and you, you no know health scares, you think you're invincible. You of think, course. You know, oh, I'm going to live forever. Then something like that happens and it's like, I only have a short time on this planet. You know, so let me get the stuff done that I want to do with my life, you know? So I'm, I, that's why we kind of dove into burn, you know, and get it made. You were a pretty young guy when, when yeah. that happened to, to get, you know, Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah. How old were you when you got diagnosed? 35 actually. So uh, not to play, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> armchair psychologist here, but what does that do to the psyche of a 35 year old guy when that happens? What goes through your mind? The, the very initial part of it was, oh, God, uh, I thought I was, <laughs> you know, you think you're, this is it. Sure. But then when you go through, I met with an oncologist who's one of the best in the world at uh, USC. And then, um, you know, you go through the treatment. It just felt, I never was woe is me. It was always like, let me just, you know, focus on doing what I need to do to get healthy and then come out of that and be productive, you know? And does it give you uh, any different perspective on how you live your life now? It does. I mean, it does because you're, you know, you're always like, like I said before, you're, um, I'm invincible. Nothing's going to touch me. And then something like that happens and you realize how fragile life is and how fragile your time on this planet is, you know? So I just try to be productive in what I'm, you know, whatever I'm doing. Our guest on the Big Time Talker podcast, Patrick Lazara, is the uh, writer, director, and one of the stars of the new movie, Burn. You can see it on all the video on demand platforms and check it out if you're a fan of The Sopranos, fan of Goodfellas, any of the the classic uh, uh, gang stuff. You're going to love this one as it does harken back to those film noirs from the, uh, the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Um, it takes a village to raise a child. Oh. It takes a lot of people to make a movie. Even though this is a small ensemble film, it, through the course of all those years doing it, how many people's hands touch that movie? Got to be upwards of 30 to 40. You know, we had a crew. We had my producing partners, which is the three of us. And then, um, you know, the cast, then you go into post and you meet people there. You meet the color corrector, you meet the sound designers, you meet the sound mixers. So you, it's just a huge team at the end of it. You know, this is a small little movie, but we treated it like it was a big budget thing for us, you know? What was the biggest lesson you learned from putting this whole thing together? If there was one big takeaway. Oh, man. Um, you know, I, I learned a lot on a short film I did. And I brought that into this movie. Because what you do is, like, that's why this movie 
contained and small character, you know, not a big character count because that's money. That's, you know, when you're changing locations and you're going to, you know, but I mean, the length of it and, um, you know, just the length of shooting it really taught me like, you know, don't get out in front of yourself and really focus on the piece. Like I have two follow-up screenplays to this that are basically sequels. When we were shooting a movie, people come to me and go, Oh, I love how you set it up for a sequel. And I didn't, I wrote it as a one-off movie, but so much time went by between shooting the movie. I was like, all right, maybe there's something there for a sequel. And I wrote a second film. And then there was time for a third film. So, so Max know, may be back. Yeah. You know, hiding out in Mexico, bigger budget, you know. I love it. I love it. The movie is Burn, and Patrick Lazar plays Max in the film. He also wrote the screenplay. Um, let's talk about continuity of the film. Yeah. For those of us that are not in the movie business, we're fans. We don't necessarily realize that you don't shoot movies sequentially. Yeah. Uh, you know, from the beginning to the end. For you, it must have been a whole different ball of wax because you shot it stretched out over almost yeah. two years. There, there's scenes where I walk out of one room and enter another room. That was two years later. So how do you get the continuity right? How do you make sure, you know, uh, the whiskey bottle on the table? Is yeah, exactly. So you're taking, well, that, so all the motel room stuff was shot in, nine days so that was we built that set too. the motel we had a uh, studio down in orange county we built four sets we built the mob boss's office we built the motel room we built laurel's um condo bedroom so we banged all that out that was the first stuff so that never had to be like oh we have to wearing how how long is the beard all that stuff yeah that stuff and then the front of the motel is when you're getting into, because uh, we shot that somewhere else. So now you're shooting maybe a year, two years later, the front when I enter the motel room, when I pull up in the Prius and get out and walk. That was a two years later, maybe. And, and why is it that filmmakers will build a set as opposed to shooting in a real motel room or yeah because if you're inside a real space you don't you can't so when when you build we can take out the walls move the walls so you're getting farther depth of field with the camera but when you're in a tight quarters what you have to do is light one side of the room then break it all down and then light the other but when you're in a studio you have that access to move out walls, set up the camera in different angles that you wouldn't get in a practical location. Patrick Lazar talking movies with us today. His new movie is called Burn, and you can check it out on the video on demand platforms. It debuted April 1st, A Labor of Love. Um, so Patrick, I have a friend who was lucky enough to work on a Clint Eastwood movie, and he was amazed at how uh, fast Clint Eastwood works. Yeah. Right, he's like, okay, action and it looks like we got it and we're moving on yeah one take. he's got all the money in the world yeah you don't yeah so are there times when you film a movie because of the budget where you go man i wish we, that we could have got that's that that's one thing i learned on the short don't rush yourself don't 
get into the editing room and go, oh, I really didn't like any of these takes from this actor. I, I'll never do that again. There's no rushing. We get what we need and then move on. You know, it's just learning on the job. And how many times for an average scene would you have to shoot it uh, for different angles and, and for dialogue to get it right? Yeah, we had a ton of coverage. So, I mean, we're in that motel room and you're, you know, you're covering the brother, you're covering me, you're doing wide shots. We had dolly tracks. The biggest takes are the specialty shots. The, the, do, the you know, you're using a dolly, um, a dolly track. You're using a steady cam. There was the, in the motel, I mean, in the restaurant, when Laurel gets up from the table and walks through the restaurant and we're following behind her, right. we had to get that 12 times before we got the timing right. And, you know, on a small movie, that's a lot of takes. A lot of takes and a lot of money. The, yeah. One thing I will tell you about your movie, Patrick, is it it looks like a million bucks. Yeah, you know, and that has a lot to do with my producing partner, who's my cinematographer, Carlos. Jimenez um, really killed it. I think he's a pro. You know, we worked a lot. We've done three projects now together. We actually shot a short film on an iPhone, and he won best cinematography out in a film festival on an iPhone. So, oh, you know, we have a good working relationship, and that's what you need when you're acting in the movie. You really have to trust your DP because I've done that in prior stuff where I'm acting and worried about what's going on behind the camera, not focusing on my scene. But me and Carlos have such a good working relationship. I don't have to worry about that. We pre before, and then I know, you know, he's got a good eye and what he'll get. The opening uh, shots of the movie, I guess you shot with a drone. Uh, yeah. Is, you know, your character, Max, goes out to meet Seth in the desert and those just look, you know, like any major motion picture. They look yeah, like yeah. It's out in the middle of Palmdale. We went out there and got uh, the drone operator needed footage for his, you know, for his website. And he came out and gave us a great deal. And this so is... So you learn going along yeah. how to do things on a shoestring. Yeah, yeah, you know. And then we had cranes out at the hotel. Guy wants footage. Okay, come out, bring your bring your crane and we got some great crane shots so your publicist did tell me the behind the scenes making of this movie was almost as interesting as what was on the screen yeah you know it's just about you know like trying to get the movie finished right so there was times where you know you're dumping your own money into these things so is my partner he's raising a family with his wife who's our producing partner too and you know, there's times where we're <laughs> up against it and didn't think we were going to finish. You know, my there was times where my partner's like, this ain't, we're never finishing this movie. It's, it we bit off more than we could chew. And I just kept pushing. I was like, even if it's a one scene where you're outside the front of a her condo, let's bang that out over the weekend. You know, this these things aren't cheap because we're we're paying crew, we're paying actors, we're feeding people, you know. So it's you know, it's just you know, trying to get the thing done, you know. And now that you have seen it, and, and I'm sure you're probably too close to it from watching yeah. a gazillion times, but objectively are you proud of the film are you proud of yeah, i really am you know one time i what i did was because i was really happy with the screenplay i wrote um 
and then we went and shot the movie and then I watched the movie and then reread the screenplay and I was like yeah that's the screenplay I wrote <laughs> so we you know we cut one scene out of the screenplay you know you talked about the commerce of the film and and how it just seemed to be uh, not to put words in your mouth but this black hole that you're pouring money into yeah. you know continuously uh, well now it's about to, to come out on these well, streaming platforms yeah. so can you walk uh, walk me through how an independent filmmaker uh, you know has any shot at all of making that money back how does it yes. work is it yes, the streaming yes. yeah so that's what it is is uh is we I was like, we're not just going to release it on whatever platform form and pray people find it. So that's why we hired the publicist. We're doing everything we can to, to just get eyeballs on the movie. I think if they watch our trailer, they'll jump into the movie. I think it's, you know, shot well, acted well, and it plays great. So I think they'd have a good time watching it. So, you know, we're doing everything we can on social media, you know, with the publicist doing interviews like this and trying to get the word out. So the goal is to get as many people yeah. uh, to watch it and then, I guess, refer a friend and say, hey, yeah, you know, I really like this. Beyond, that would be, yes, exactly. So it's like, tell your friends, tell your family, tell them everybody you know to watch this movie. That helps us out a lot. <laughs> and I wonder, Patrick, if you can sort of fish where the fish are, like if you find people that are, into the Sopranos that yeah. are into Scarface that are yeah. into Goodfellas if you can let those people know somehow yeah. about Burn. Yeah, I mean I'm probably there's a right Sopranos Facebook page, right? Just reach out to the, but then drop the trailer on there. We're almost out of time with you today, but as I, I read uh, the materials about you, I was struck by the fact that it said that growing up, you and, and your uh, siblings one of your three favorite movies of all time as a high school kid was Scarface. Yeah, you know, it was weird. You know, that movie came out in 83, right? Yep. So I was in the third grade when that came out, and I was like, you know, it's a weird movie to be... <laughs> Seeing it eight years old. you're a kid. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a drug movie, uh, you know, tons of violence. But those are the movies I'm into, is those crime films. You know, that's why that's what I write. I like those dangerous movies, those dangerous characters. So, you know, those are the kind of movies, you know, the, the movies that really, you know, get me going. I mean, Pulp Fiction is one. It really opened my eyes as a writer. And I mean, it was taught all over, you know, when it came out. It was taught in colleges. You know how he wrote the fractured storylines. And that's kind of like Byrne is written like that, too. It must be uh, a full circle moment, though, that one of these movies that you watched as a kid had that kind of impact. And now, as a grown man, you see your own mob movie come to fruition. Yeah, I think the day it comes out, actually out on VOD, is when I'm going to be like, because I'm anxious right now. The movie's coming out. Okay, how's it going to do? I hope people watch it. And, you know, just, I think once the movie's out, I'll feel, you know, great. <laughs> And, and what happens, and maybe it's already happened, when someone who's a, a member of the family says, hey, I see your movie. I like what you're doing, kid. Have you had any up close and in-person oh, encounters oh, yet? Any, any threats? <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. 
It's all show business yeah. until it's not. Yes. <laughs> Patrick Lazara, the writer, uh, lead actor, uh, and chief bottle washer <laughs> for, <laughs> for the movie Burn. He did almost everything in that film with the, uh, the cast of others uh, in support. Best of luck on the film. I hope lots of people discover this movie. Thank you so much, Bert. Thanks for having me. That's Patrick Lazara, my new buddy, and uh, his movie burned well worth checking out. Thank you so much for listening to the Big Time Talker, courtesy of our friends at SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. In Washington, D.C., Burke Allen here. Wherever you go, whatever you do, make it a great day. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.